I'm back again for another episode of Defense Wins Fantasy. This is Seth Berger, uh, part of the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network. And uh, if you're just joining me, we talk a lot about IDP, you know, who, who to stash, who to keep. Right now, we're going through a lot of breakouts, busts, and players to watch, to keep an eye on. Every division we're going through. Tonight, we're going to talk about the NFC North. But before I get to that, um, I'm going to allude a little bit to the uh, Fantasy Holics. Superflex Dynasty draft that we just conti- we just completed this uh, last week. Now the uh, Fat Boys Dynasty podcast went through that draft entirety um, this week on the episode, so go back and check that out. Especially if you have a Dynasty rookie draft or a Dynasty startup draft, especially it was a Superflex league as well um, coming up because it'll give you a better idea of some of the experts' understanding philosophies on their picks and kind of going through. Round by round, who's a value, who's a stretch. It's a really great listen, especially, like I said, if you just love fantasy. And we're all just kind of off-season. We're clinging to anything that is fantasy-related. So it's absolutely an enjoyable listen, especially uh, the fact that they credited me with such a phenomenal draft. I mean, who could blame them? It's uh, just what I do, you know. But I'm not just a pretty face with uh, offensive mindsets. You know, I, I talk about the defense, you know where the heart of the team is. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. Once again, it's the NFC North is on the docket. And we're going to start out with the Packers. Now, we're going to go through a bust, a breakout, and a player to watch. Once again, that player to watch might be somebody that I think is is poised to really make an impact this year, or it could be somebody that I'm a little bit skeptical on, and I'm not so sure that it's a person that you want to be taking up a roster spot on your team. You know, things change, new regimes come in, players had a, you know, once in a lifetime year. We need to understand what is, you know, something that's capable of reoccurring and what is, well, that's just the best thing he's ever done and maybe move him while you can. So we're going to start out with the bus for the Packers. And my bus player is Quay Walker. Linebacker drafted in the first round by the Packers. I know, I know, but draft capital. And he's he was on that Georgia defense. Listen, don't be fooled by the draft capital. He's a solid player, but he's not in the best situation as far as some of these linebackers in the in the rookie draft have gone to. He's going to start behind Chris Barnes, who had a pretty good year last year. But if Quay overtakes Barnes, it's about a 60 to 80 tackle roll, which isn't somebody that you're going to be extremely happy with starting every week. It's not going to have enough volume. Now, I'm not saying he won't have value, but be cautious drafting him early in rookie drafts and expecting a year one impact because he's raw. He's a lot more raw than the other rookies that were taken around, around him in the draft. Devin Lloyd is an absolute pro-ready player. Even... Um, Nicobe Dean, who was taken in the third round by the Eagles, is much more pro-ready and understands, you know, coverage and defenses and just has a lot more ability. I think Quay Walker will be a good player, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying that if you're drafting him as the day one starter in the rookie draft, be cautious about that because right now he's not even a starter on his team. So just pump the brakes. Realize that he's probably going to get there, or 
with the first six or seven games of the season go by where he's getting a 30%, 40% snap count rate and then offer a trade to the guy that drafted him in the first or second round of your guys' rookie draft. That way you can have your cake and eat it too. Going into the breakout player is Rashawn Gary, linebacker slash DN slash edge rusher. It just came off his third year, and he had nine and a half sacks. The big thing that I like is that he's increased every year he's been in the league, from two sacks to five sacks to nine and a half in the first three years. He had 20 hurries on the quarterback, so that's just opportunities for sacks there that just didn't, he didn't get there quite fast enough. But the opportunity he's getting to the quarterback, he's beating offensive linemen in this league. He's capable of doing it. You'll love to see it. In every trackable metric, he has increased in the first three years. Snap percentage went up from 44% to 63% in 2021. So what that tells me is that there's still room to grow and more opportunities that he can grab onto in 2022. They kind of revamped their edge rushers this offseason, so he's going to get more playing time. He's a guy that is probably worth hardly anything at this point in time in any league, but you can grab him and you can ride the wave of possibly the next multiple years of of 10-plus sacks guys. And he plays on a good team that's going to be having the lead. You know, Aaron Rodgers is still there. So there's the opportunity for not just being on the field, but being on the field when they are passing is high for this team. So Rashawn Gary, linebacker, once again, nine and a half sacks last year with 20 hurries. Turn a few more of those hurries into sacks, and he'd be already picked up on everybody's team. My player to watch is Eric Stokes, cornerback. Now, he's a second-year player coming into this year, and he'll start across from Jari Alexander. He had 55 tackles last year, one interception, 14 passes defended. I expect him to improve on interception numbers in year two. Only one interception is is pretty low considering the volume that he was seeing. Um, And Alexander is a shutdown corner, which means that there's going to be more passes coming Stokes' way. Alexander was a little banged up last year, so their other defenses or offenses rather were able to spread the ball around a little bit more. But when Alexander's on the field, they basically just don't pass to his side. So that gives Stokes more opportunities than most second corners would have. Stokes had a had games as high as 31 points and as low as four. Once again, in our scoring metric that I've talked about a few podcasts back, I expect to see some of that leveling out. Corners are hard to predict, and that's why it's very, very difficult to really even call them booms or busts just because they're very hard to predict on how it's going to go because it's all up to what the quarterback decides to do. But he's a worth a pickup in my mind in your league as, as a cornerback spot. If it has a designation, not just defensive back, but if it has a cornerback designation. If not, I'd stick with safeties at the DB section over this guy just because they're going to be a little bit more stable on the tackles. You could probably see double the tackles that he had had last year, which he had 55. Safeties are going to be closer to 100 if you get the, you know, if you get some good ones. But that being said, Eric Stokes does have the capability and the pedigree to get four to six picks this season. My Bears bust probably shouldn't come as a surprise because it's Robert Quinn. 
It's not a difficult one to see as it comes a year after Quinn had one of his best years as a pro. 18 and a half sacks. And going into 2022, Khalil Mack left town via trade. So he doesn't have somebody that's double getting double teamed across the line from him. Also, he's 32 years old. Another big key, in 11 seasons, he's only played four full seasons. Oh, and in 2020, on the Bears, Robert Quinn had two sacks. He went from two sacks to 18 and a half. There's a lack of talent around him. There's no secret that there's a lack of talent on the Bears. And this team will be playing from behind. Fair point, they played from behind a lot last year. And uh, he still had 18 and a half sacks, but he doesn't have Khalil Mack across from him. He's been volatile in his entire career. He's been injury prone in his entire career, and he's 32 years old. Tells me that they're going to start moving him into just a pass rush specialist role as well. I just don't see him having anywhere near the volume or the capacity to what he did last year coming into this year. If you have him, if you could trade him, Great, but with that 32-year age issue, it's going to be tough to get anything worth um, its weight for what Robert Quinn gave you last year. But I don't think he's making it over seven sacks this year anyway. So just understand that that's what you're trading out and maybe get a guy that I'm going to talk about later as as a trade from one of these other teams or the same team. Now, my breakout player is Jaquan Brisker, safety. Um, came out of Penn State. He's a rookie. He fell into a great spot with the Bears. Just, I, I love this landing spot for this guy. He's already slotted into the starter next to Eddie Jackson. He's a tackling machine. He goes to a team that historically gives us fantasy-relevant safety play. And I'm not just talking about the previous regime. I'm talking about... Basically, the last 10 years, there's been good safety play out of, out of Chicago. And on top of that, the new head coach, who came was the defensive coordinator of the Colts, had stellar fantasy safety play out of no-name guys last year in, uh, in Indy. So the scheme is friendly towards the safety as well. Like I said, he's one of my favorite safety landing spots and he's going to make an immediate impact for this team. The other bonus is because of some of the other safeties that we've had in this in this draft, you know, Kyle Hamilton, Lewis Seen, um, he's going to be cheaper than a lot of these other safeties, but I think year one he could compete with the best safety, rookie class safety, this year. I think that he is going to have the opportunity just like Anybody else, and he's going to make the most of it, especially on the tackling side. So if you haven't had your rookie draft yet, take a look at him, watch some tape, understand that this guy loves football, and he's ready to come make an impact for that that Bears defense. Final player on the Bears list is the player to watch. That's Al-Qadon Mohammed. He's a defensive end, and he is going to be have his first year in Chicago. Well, why would you have him as a player to watch? I've never really even heard of this guy, Seth. He's a defensive end coming from the Indianapolis Colts. So he's a guy that the new head coach is very familiar with. 
likes, gave him a solid contract, knows the system. He'll he'll earn playing time immediately because he knows the plays, knows the systems. He had six sacks last year, and uh, he doubled his tackles from the year before, and he tripled his sacks from the year before. He's on the up and up. It's a guy that I think could be extremely valuable, especially with a decline from Robert Quinn. I think that Mohammed could be on the a rising star on this defense. He's young, he's capable, and he's going to benefit from knowing the system. Why he's on my players to watch? A lot of the same reasons I talked with Robert Quinn. Lack of talent around him. Team will be playing from behind. There's a concern of how good this offense is going to be. One benefit is that he'll get probably more tackles if they're running the ball, but the you know the more concerning thing is you want sacks on your defensive ends, and that might not come at the clip that we're expecting or hoping for, rather, because of the you know just the the flow of the game. But this guy is is a player that I could see coming out of the woodwork and being a guy that people are asking about two weeks into the season. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Why is he? Killing the quarterback. Once again, he could also just be, oh, I had a great year last year and got a little bit of a bag and is going to be an okay pro, but not a great fantasy player. That's why we're going to keep a watch on him. But this is a guy that I would grab and put on my roster and see how it goes, uh, more so than like leaving him on the waiver wire for somebody else to get the opportunity to grab him. Because I think it's more often, uh, probably higher percentage that he, he's going to play well then he won't. Moving on to the Lions. My bus player is linebacker Alex Anzalone. And yeah, he had like a breakout year last year. He had a whole lot of uh, fantasy points, a whole lot of tackles. He also had a whole lot of missed tackles. 16.1% missed tackle rate. Well, Seth, what does that really mean? That means that every six times he tried to tackle somebody, he missed or failed to tackle them. One out of six. That's barely better than, you know, the one doctor telling me to not use toothpaste. Not good. In a boom season due to being the only guy on the team last year, his missed tackle rate was so bad that either of the six-round linebackers that the Lions took in this year's draft in my opinion, could easily come in and and replace him if this continues. Oh, and they brought back Jared Davis, who was not very good as the Lions, but they said, you know what? Watching our linebacker play last year, you might be all right, man. So they brought him back after one season with the Jets. Alex is not going to be a guy that's going to get the leash he got last year, and if he continues to miss one out of every six tackles, they're going to pull him. So I don't care what kind of opportunity you have. You have to be on the field to get that opportunity. And I don't think that we're going to be talking about him as a starting middle linebacker by the end of this season. I don't even know if we'll be talking about him as a starting middle linebacker by the start of preseason. There's still some solid players out there that might end up taking over the role before he even gets an opportunity. They brought him back on a one-year contract, albeit not a lot of money. So there's really no reason that they have to start him. They don't, they're just not going to accept that. They're trying to turn this organization around. You can't do it 
with guys that can't tackle the court, can't tackle the running back, can't tackle the tight ends, can't tackle the wide receivers coming across the middle. You have to tackle. That is your job as a linebacker. Once again, like I said, the opportunity is there. So if he does get the bench, I would look to who they're bringing in. Now, the breakout player that I have for the Lions is Tracy Walker, a safety. Yeah, I could sit here and talk about Aiden Hutchinson again because I think he's going to be very solid, good player for them. But I want to give you more names to grab. You know, everybody's talking about the top picks in the draft. But let's talk about Tracy Walker. He just signed a new three-year deal. Two of the last three years, he's had over 100 tackles. Probably because Alex Anzalone can't tackle, so that, you know, they run past him. But the back half of last year, he only had one game under 10 points. The defense will be on the field a lot. Still, they're getting better, but they're still going to be on the on the field a lot. And this regime has put faith in him with a long-term contract. They believe in him. They expect him to be a solid contributor to this team. And this was a team I expected to go out and and draft a rookie early safety. They didn't do it. So they like what they have. They gave him money. All signs, all roads lead to Tracy Walker having a breakout season with this defense. Now my player to watch is Charles Harris, defensive end slash linebacker, um, edge rusher, essentially. Harris had a breakout year last year with seven and a half sacks. It's a former Miami Dolphin bust pick. He's made a name for himself in Detroit. He was a first-round draft pick, so he has the athletic profile. He had 65 tackles, 19 hurries, and signed a two-year extension on the offseason. He should also see more opportunities than he did last year, because the defensive scheme is changing from a 3-4 to a 4-3, which is going to allow him to play the D-end role and be on the field for all downs instead of just passing downs. So Charles Harris is a guy that it's he's kind of on the fence on do you put him on your roster, right? If you're not strong in D-end in your team defensive line or if your defensive line is a little bit older I might I might throw a little you know a little chance just to see how the first few games go but I also think that he's a guy that you after the first few games he'll probably still be out on the waiver wire possibly it depends on how big your bench is depends on you know all those factors but it, it's safe to say that it could go either way for him He had more sacks last year than he has had in his entire career, which I believe he's going into his sixth year now. And he had five sacks total, and then he had seven and a half last year. So what's that mean? Well, he continued to move on the up and up. He's in a new regime. He's with a new team, new scheme. It could be that he's just now being used properly, or it could be that he had that breakout year because he knew that if he didn't do something, he would be out of the NFL. Time will tell. So now we'll move on to the Vikings. And my bust pick is Eric Kendricks, linebacker. He has been a stud linebacker the last seven years. I know that because I traded him, I think, about seven years ago. 
for a defensive end that was on the Lions. So I should have known better than that at that point in time. But, you know, you live, you learn. Now, Eric Kendricks is turning 30 years old. I'm not as concerned about that as I am that the Vikings decided to bring in Jordan Hicks. Kendricks will still be a solid linebacker, so I'm not saying that he's just going to completely fall off or lose his job or any of that thing. But when you bring in another 100-tackle linebacker guy, it's going to hurt his value. The new It's a new regime, so it's a new defensive head coach, which means it's a new defensive scheme that Kendricks is going to have to learn. I think he's a very versatile linebacker. I think he has the capability to pick up schemes. But the other concern I have for him is that he hasn't played a full season since 2017. Yeah, when he's on the field, he's great, but he's not always on the field. And when they bring in a guy like Jordan Hicks, maybe they're getting kind of tired of him not being on the field. Maybe they just need some more depth. Maybe it's a money thing. I don't know. But it was a very interesting move, I thought, when they brought in Jordan Hicks um, to play either alongside him or to back him up. Because Jordan Hicks was phenomenal with the Cardinals the last three years. So time will tell. But I don't think that you're going to be getting the fantasy production out of Eric Kendricks that you have seen in the past. So it might be a good time to try to move move him just because nobody knows anything better. And if they're looking, if they're just stat looking, they're going to look at the last five years and be like, wow, this guy's really, really good. Not knowing that he might have just cut some of, you know, he might only get two-thirds of the tackles now with Jordan Hicks taking that one-third from him. Now, my breakout player is uh, is Danielle Hunter, defensive end. It's kind of a re-breakout. We've had these before, but he's coming off basically a two-year hiatus of sorts. Hunter looks to be, you know, primed to get back to his old ways. He had 14 sacks in back-to-back years, but those years were 2018, no, sorry, 2019 and, no, I was right, 2018, 2019. 2020, he missed the whole year, sat out for COVID. Um, and then 21, he was on pace for another 14-15 sack season before he had a pectoral injury. Now, he's still solid age window, has some good players around him, although he will not be having Everson Griffin, I don't think, um, playing across from him. So that that is something he's always had. So it's kind of going to be interesting to see. And once again, it's a new defensive scheme. It's a new regime. Everybody is going to be a little bit different. But there was a lot of talk about them trading Hunter on the offseason. And that never came to fruition. There was a lot of talk of them trading Kirk Cousins. That never came to fruition because they're good players and they need them if they want to try to make a title run. Will they win a title? Probably not. But they're making the effort and he is going to be a key component of that. Now, my player to watch is DJ Wanham. I think that's how you say it, Wanham. W-O-N-N-U-M, if you're going to go ahead and add him to your team. He's a defensive end. Once again, with Everson Griffin probably not coming back this year, would be my guess. Uh, he is going to be the guy across from Hunter. And he had his best year last year. Eight sacks during the regular season. But diving deeper into that, this is why he's, instead of like a breakout, he's more of a player to watch. He had five of those eight sacks between two games, three and one, two and the other. 
Both of those games were against the Chicago Bears. And he only scored over 10 points once all season without a sack. He scored under 5 points 8 times last year. Good benefit. Most of those under 5-point games were at the beginning of the year. So he's trending in the right way. He's getting more playing time at the end of the year. The key here is we need to monitor the rotation, make sure that he is the starting defensive end next to or across from uh, Hunter. And he might be a trade candidate. You know, if he's still just out there, pick him up week four, pick him up, put him on your bench, let him play the Bears in week five, see what happens. Maybe you got a guy you can trade. Oh, and what about that second game against the Bears? Well, that's in week 18, so there's no gain there. So pick him up week four, hang on to him. Week five rolls around, gets a couple sacks, maybe three sacks. Use him as a little add-on key to a trade that you're making. Or, you know, just try to trade him straight up to somebody. Or keep him. If he is showing points and stability before week five. But this is a guy that I'd pick up if you have the room now. If not, wait, like I said, until week four. And then just go ahead and just see what happens. What's the worst that's going to happen? You had a guy on your team for a week that isn't going to be any value. You've done that a thousand times before. But looking at the data, looking at where his boom games have been, and knowing that the Bears still suck, it's a good benefit there. Just take the opportunity, take the chance, and see what it will gain you. So that was the final player out of the NFC North division. We uh, have one more NFC division than we'll be moving on to the AFC. I might take a little break in between there. Want to still get a special guest on and do a mock draft IDP style. Once again, we're going to go with the scoring format that I had laid out a few podcasts back. Excuse me. If you haven't listened to that one, please do. If you have a startup league that you're doing that is IDP, please listen to it before you decide on point scoring. Because if you're going to make a tackle worth one point and you're going to make a sack worth two points and you're not going to even consider trying to make what the defensive side does comparable to the offensive side, then just leave the IDP guys out of it. It Getting 8 to 10 points, and that's a good week by a defensive player, that's not fun. Make it so that they're, they're very comparable, and it makes trades better. I'll, I'll be on that soapbox probably every time that I, <laughs> I get off on a tangent. But that being said, I want to do a mock draft to show not just you guys, but anybody that's interested in IDP – how a draft can go where you don't just start picking IDP players in like the 14th round of a, of a startup dynasty. So with that being said, I will see you guys next Thursday where we will be doing the NFC East. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and I'm not going to say, I'm going to say that Micah Parsons is not going to be my breakout player. I think he's already broken out. I think people are aware of that dude. But we'll go through, once again, busts, breakouts, and players to watch. We'll see you guys next Thursday.
This podcast has been presented by the Fantasyholics Podcast Network. 